Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right, good morning and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I hope you're having a wonderful day today. It's Wednesday morning, just after 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and uh, it's a thrill to be with you. I love doing these programs. I just looked at the number, episode 183. Ha, can you really believe that? That's, that's pretty cool. I've been doing this a couple years now, and it's been fun. Um, I also have some really cool guests on the docket um, that uh, uh, you have not met yet. I've got some Canadians that I'm going to be chatting with um, for you to meet and greet and uh, realize we're all still growing in grace, and that's pretty, pretty cool. Today's topic is interesting. This one kind of surprised me as the conversation was going. So I connected with Richard Murray this past week and uh, it, uh, it, it was, it was deep. Um, we ended up um, uh, hitting a topic that many of us probably don't want to talk about. <laughs> and so uh, uh, how do you love when it isn't easy? How do you love someone when you totally disagree with a choice they made, a decision they made, a person they're with, the lifestyle they've chosen, so to speak? You name it. It just goes on and on. Because we're all thinking it. Um, and yet, the Bible tells us to love one another. And yet, some people, and especially in the Christian world, think it's a conditional love, as in I get to choose who. If you're in, I, I'm supposed to love you. But if you're out, no, I don't have to love you. Because you have to get in first by saying a prayer, then I'll love you. And even then, it'll be judgmental love. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, uh, this topic is tough. I have not figured it out. Uh, I probably won't until I get to heaven. But I think there's something to this conversation. When it's done, you should have heard a message. I, I know I caught it. I've only, well, the only time I heard it was when I recorded this. So I am really interested in hearing this again. So I'm watching with you, listening with you. And um, let's see where this goes. Got anybody in mind? Family member, <clears throat> coworker, boss, somebody, somebody in your connections or group that you're you're connected with, a fellowship of some kind, whether it's you know a club or whatever. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about loving when it is isn't easy. I think you'll really enjoy this. Here we go. All right, welcome to another episode of Still Growing Grace. Uh, Richard Murray is joining me today, and uh, he's wearing a very funky shirt. <laughs> I love it. I'm not. So, uh, yeah, but we wanted to um, kind of have a conversation. We did not fully prepare for this one, but it's it's heavy on my heart. So I'm going to put it out there, and Richard, maybe we can begin to banter. I'll, 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 I'll toss the first tennis ball your way. <laughs> So Sounds good. I've had folks um, uh, ask me about how can I love somebody um, and not condone, or uh, if I if I love somebody, how can I confront them? Like, do I just let them carrying on harmful behaviors, or um, like I, I want to be a loving person and say I love them and mean it? But I'm, I'm, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the, this is a, this is a big question that keeps coming up of um, either in a lifestyle or job change or a relationship that's bad. You know, I want to love them. And there's people in bad relationships that say, but I want to love them. And really, you know, I don't know. Do you know where I'm getting at here? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's always the big challenge uh, to learn how to love. And I was telling you earlier uh, when we were talking that this meme that I shared the other day, I don't even know who came up with it, but I shared it. It was so powerful to me, but it, it was a picture of three African American uh, generations. And it was the grandfather kissing the forehead of a grown son who was at the same time kissing the forehead of his young child. And the, the, the saying underneath that the aphorism that was used was, I didn't come here to teach you. I came here to love you. And love will teach you. I, 
I, I was, my foundations were rocked. I know that's an obvious statement, but I'd never heard it put so beautifully. Can I share it? Within the con within a context of a, 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 a of an illustration. Can I show it to you? you? Know, Can I show it to the group? Can I share it with the screen? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So this, this is the picture that you were talking about. I did not come to teach you. I came to love you and love will teach you. That's huge. Okay. I just wanted, I want people to see that because I, I caught that when you were sharing that. All right. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's so, what's so powerful about it is I think we continually get lured into a mentality that says we have to teach this person how not to sin. We have to teach this person mm -hmm. not to make that preference. We need to teach this person instead of saying, no, we need to love this person and we get to love this person now, which is a privilege. It's a privilege to love. I mean, not, nothing feels better, makes others feel better. Nothing does moves things in the spirit more than than loving. It is the spirit of love. Um, and to um, so that with with people, um, if we love them, then we can believe that our love will affect them and our mm -hmm. love will teach them what they need to know. And it may not be what we think they need wow. to know. OK, they're on their own path with the Lord one way or the other. And they, you know, people are led to explore uh, different avenues, different dangers. And when I say led, it's in them. Why don't we say it that way? It's in them to explore. And I don't know what's worse. Just not exploring something because somebody told you not to do it. And so you don't do it or not regretting, you know, being in a place of where you, you regret not doing it for the rest of your life. You know, so uh, as people explore their freedom, you know, this whole thing is about how we use our freedom, how we use our creaturely freedom. Okay. And, and Augustine always said evil, you know, and, and, and privation and things like that come from just the misuse of our creaturely freedom. But to not use our freedom at all is not the thing either, yeah. you know, because then, then you haven't done anything. You haven't grown. You don't know why you do or don't do what you don't do. You know, at, at, other than maybe to submit to some cultural idea of what's normal, you know, uh, and and and, to, you know, certain things are going on today all around us that we have been enculturated that aren't normal. But, you know, just because it's not normal doesn't mean that it's it's necessary for us to judge it or to do anything other than love it. You know, because if, if we look at loving our enemies, Jesus said, <laughs> you know, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect in Matthew 5, 48. Therefore, he said, so you, what's the there, therefore, it's the previous 10 verses, which says that you love your enemy, you bless your enemy, you give to your enemy, you serve your enemy, you turn the other cheek, go walk the extra mile, give the extra garment all to your enemies, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and it's certainly people that have different preferences that we do aren't our enemies. And yet, so the hardest thing to me is, uh, you, you know, the thing he commands us, the thing that makes Christianity qualitatively different than anything else is the love of enemies. Anyone can love your neighbor or love those who are close to you or even love those who might disagree with you, but I'm still going to love them. What about those who entirely disagree with you? Those who hate your guts, yeah. you know, those who despitefully use you, you know, and that, that's in that Matthew 5, 38 through 48, bless those who despitefully use you. Um, that's the real, that's, that's the ceiling, you know, and and I think a lot of times when we're talking about people that are in bad relationships or unhealthy relationships, sure, we may have a check on our spirit. Sure, we may not be able to find a place of, of, of uh, um, you know, a feeling unsettled about it. All right. You know what? Feeling unsettled is just part of life. But how we handle our unsettledness, I think, is, is the true secret of, of faith. And you know, just for me. Um, it took me a long time. My daughter is, is, is gay. And, uh, as an example of someone who, you know, I could rush in as her father and tell her, you know, that, that, you know, I could tell her anything, but you know, as I sit here and I thought about it, no, I'm here to love her. And as I've loved her, love, love will teach her. And I can believe that that is an aphorism that I can put my faith in and trust that as long as I love, then the, you know, my, my aspect of love into their lives can affect them and let love teach them. And at the end of the day, love may teach them to be gay. I'm let not me, saying it, you know, it is or it isn't. I mean, let, I, I don't even have to go there. I, I think yeah, is what sort yeah. of my sense of it. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
So my rebuttal would be, and I'm think, hearing of a religious rebuttal. Um, okay. But I want to, if I love them, I will confront them. I need to tell them the truth then. And I'm thinking, but is that loving? Like you can twist this so many ways and I've seen it done in Christian circles. So even if somebody says, Hey, that person, you know, they're living a lifestyle that is wrong. Um, I can't love them and be quiet at the same time. I'm thinking, wait a minute, like there's, there's too much judging going on here. There's too much, um, un, I, I guess it's not love. I think you're answering it, but it's, I can hear people well, rebut. Well, well, in the first place, we're not even supposed to judge. You know, we're not supposed to judge them at all. And when, I, when we talk about judge, I think we're talking about uh, condemnation, not to condemn what they're doing. That doesn't mean we have to agree with it or understand it. Say that I'm again. at a point, um, you know, it doesn't mean we have to agree with it or even understand it, you know. Uh, but I, I think that we come in immediately. I want to teach them not to do that. You know, like we're saying, I want to I don't want to teach them love. I want to teach them they're making a mistake. Ah, right? and, and, ulterior and, and, motive. And, yeah, and teach them oh. that they're not normal, and teach them that they're not conforming to what to what our ideas of normality are. Ouch. Now, 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 I understand. I understand that it's not that there's there's nuances here, but I think, uh, and I understand that when when if if you have a, a gut check about something that you trouble, but the point is, how what's your response? Is it is it to, you know, is it is it to teach them what they're doing wrong and warn them what they're doing wrong? in a tone that that conveys disapproval you know whereas what would the alternative be well i'm not going to judge you i do have that feeling i'm not going to ignore my own feelings but i am going to suppress them to this extent that if that if they're interacting and trying to obstruct me from loving you i'm not i'm i'm not going to give that place wow all right i'm going to sit i'm going to shelve it i'm going to put it up on the shelf and it could it could not just be my gut check about it. It could be my initial concern about it. It can be my well, I've seen this a dozen times before. You know, this type of relationship not work before. This lifestyle not work before. And people, you know, I I don't judge people who repent out of a lifestyle, you know, or people who who don't and then find love and joy in the lifestyle. You know, I, I'm not sure how important our lifestyles are, other than that they be in love and that we help people discover love. And so your question is, how do we define love? You know, love corrects. Well, really, I mean, if you look at Paul's identification of love, is it, you know, it's really more like love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love doesn't keep a list of wrongs. <laughs> love doesn't do the, the, the harshest, the hardest thing that love does is it doesn't rejoice at iniquity. Hmm. All right. So it doesn't sit there while somebody's hmm. hurting somebody or by some, somebody's you know, shooting somebody or somebody's physically abusing or sexually abusing somebody. It doesn't mean that that we sit there, you know, and rejoice in that, you know, and turn a blind eye. So, but but that's as strong as it gets. That's not very strong when you think about it, you know. And 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 if, if we do something that's even self sabotaging, you know, that ends up being self sabotage. But but again, how do we know that that person is going to be self sabotaged? And maybe they're doing it now, but if we just bring love into the situation and let them know we're in the corner, we love them. I love them regardless of whether you do this lifestyle or whether you don't. I love you every bit as much, and I'm not going to treat you any different. Now, you may treat me different for whatever reason, and I, you know, and I have to interact with that and, and let love teach me. I need love to teach me how to interact with you. If you think love is teaching you to bring up a topic to somebody, then sure, but let love be our teacher. And, and, and love that drains the swamp of judgment and drains the swamp of human of any human opinion or any human condemnation. Um, you know, I've been sharing some this week on Whitfield and Wesley and how they interacted. You know, Whitfield was well, I, I would hate Whitfield's theology for the most part. But everyone who speaks of Whitfield says how full of love he was. Hmm. And he somehow found a way with that Calvinistic philosophy of uh, philosophy to just bypass it, not talk about it, or to rarely talk about it, but instead focus on acts of love, which is why he and Wesley, and Wesley would be more in line of what I believe, but you know, uh, but Wesley was known to be kind of cantankerous here and there too with uh, Top Lady and some of the other people that were putting out pamphlets, Calvinistic pamphlets of the day. I mean, there was a lot of battle going on about the nature of God, but Wesley and Whitfield were able to stay friends, and Wesley preached Whitfield's funeral. 
Wow. And uh, which was magnificent. And he said only good things about him. He said only glorious things about him. He, he loved, love taught him what to say at that funeral. Mm. And it was one of the most majestic things I've ever read. And, uh, you know, and, and he, you know, he talked about at some point, I remember there's something, you know, that people saying, well, you know, will Whitfield be in heaven when we get to heaven? Now, maybe I may have this part reversed. It may be the other way around. Not what I said about the funeral. That was all right. But one of them about the other one was talking about, will we even see him in heaven? And whether it was Whitfield who said it or vice versa, they both would have said it about each other. <laughs> they said, no, we may not see him in heaven because they're going to be so close to the front, you know, from where we are. <laughs> from where oh, we're at. Of course, that's my. But, but what a gracious thing to say, you know, just gracious, gracious response. I mean, Calvinism is something that's worth on one level being disturbed at, being vexed at. But you know what? If it keeps us from loving Calvinists, if it keeps us from showing love to Calvinists and showing that our position is not one of where, you know, that's stupid. That's, you know, that's awful what you're teaching, you know, that yada, yada, yada. You know, instead of doing that, just love them. Because I know Calvinists, a lot of Calvinists who do love richly. And I have no explanation for it, but I recognize love when I see it. And I recognize my own lack of love when I, you know, when I show it. Uh, so it, it, anyway, I'm, I'm into, uh, I'm sort of a, on a high right now, uh, a, a slow burn high with this letting love be the teacher. And I'm going to tell you a uh -huh. person that really, you see this in their life is a, a guy named William Law. I don't know, uh, William Law was, uh, he lived in, in, in Wesley's day. And William Law, if, his first book that he wrote was A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. And it is one of the worst books I've ever read. It is harsh full of that puritanical thing. But then a funny thing happened a few years later. Uh, William Law had some massive experiences with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And he comes out of those experiences writing wonderful things about the spirit of love and the spirit of prayer. He doesn't sound like the same person. Wow. And, and Wesley, you know, and Wesley, you know, went through these stages as well. But, you know, Wesley really recommended his harsh book. And then later when he saw saw these other books, he said, what happened to that? You know, what happened to him? <laughs> and, but the same thing basically happened to Wesley, too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and I think that somewhere in that tension, um, and I know we're talking about things other than just having a difference in theology, but it includes that. People yeah. who, how do we love? How do we love those who we, we think, Calvinists are making a serious mistake. All right. Well, how do we talk to them about it? Well, let's love them first. And then let's let love teach them what they need to know about it. And they love us. And I will let love teach us what we need to know about Calvinism. You know, and and in that, Mike, I guess I just see a whole lot of poison and drained wrong tones, cruel tones, um, presumptions, uh, condemnations, accusations, all of this stuff. Um uh, I, and so does does this all suggest, well, we got to we got to change the way we do business? I would say yes, because I would defy anyone to read Matthew 5, 38 through 48 and then say, how can I do this without changing business, without changing the way I do business? Yeah. You know, and um, um, and I think a large part of it, I get involved in a in a uh, in the issue on the gay uh, debate uh, three or four years ago on my Facebook. I can give you a link on it sometime it goes on and on there were hundreds of comments on it. i bet it's and, a touchy and, one yeah and um you know i, I basically come come at it at a place from i i'm i'm not judging it at all I, i've resolved that i'm not judging it at all either negative or positive i'm just loving those people that i meet who who are there yep. you know yes and, um, right in front of you that's who you love yeah yeah. Yeah. And I don't feel the need to. I feel like we are continually tempted to judge, judge mm -hmm. this, judge this, judge this, judge this, condemn mm -hmm. this, condemn this, close the door here, close the door there. You know, we're and we're scared that if we don't correct people, I, I you know, I can say, I mean, if we're um, even if you're talking to a drug, drug addict, I have a dear loved one who's a drug addict and they and, and they they are mutating into greater and greater, greater and greater liar. Uh, an inveterate liar who does nothing but lie. Everything is a lie. You can believe nothing that you hear. And it's shocked me to the core, but I'm trying to apply this whole thing that, I, that I've told you about to just love, you know, love this person. And that doesn't mean, you know, you know, I, I'm seeing some things to help that will help 
maybe not let her misuse, you know, misuse money and that sort of things. And, and as much as I'm involved with it, try to protect her from having less discretion as to how she disposes of her dollar yep. uh, rather than more discretion. But I, I am, I'm catching myself and realizing how a lack of love, um, how I'm not operating out of the spirit of love. And uh, so William Law, if, if you can locate, especially Andrew Murray, I think, did something where he updated the language. Well, Andrew Murray got William Law. Let me tell you that. He was, and he, he wrote this uh, book, Holy for God. And I think Andrew Murray has chapters from the bad book I told you about. But that doesn't take up much of that book. The majority of the book is on his post-spiritual uh, conversion, whether you want to call that the baptism, the Holy Spirit, or whatever you want to call it. Yep. But William Law got hooked up with a guy named Jacob Boehm, some of Jacob Boehm's writings, who was a mystic. Uh, but anyway, those writings are some of the most powerful things I've ever read about there being no other choice, no other choice but love. Wow. You know, that if we're in this operating in the spirit, then love is the only choice. And um, and when we open ourselves to love, we'll start thinking all sorts of kind thoughts or su supportive thoughts. You know, and I'm not talking about false flattery of people in lifestyles we don't approve. Of. I'm talking about genuinely loving them and how that would stretch us, you know, how that would stretch us and make us lovers, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but we think I have the answer. So I need to caution them about the mistake they're making. Well, do I really have the answer? I mean, I got some of the answer yep. for me and some some, you know, some aspects of wisdom and some aspects of ignorance, you know, than I meant. But, um, you know, people are going to explore things that are in their heart to do. I saw and, I saw a quote this week. It's it, the, I'll just read the first sentence of the meme. It says, "My child, not the addict, is the one who needs my support." And as I thought it through, what you were just saying about just loving requires us to also have a perspective that we see beyond the symptom of what we see going on or the issue we're having a hard time with. We see beyond that and look at the light inside the actual person of who they are and their true identity, not what we see acted out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. There's, I heard a country music song the other day that was talking about why I drink, you know, and the, and the, the singer was singing why he drinks. And uh, it broke my heart because the singer was saying he drank so that he, because when he was drunk, he didn't hate this particular person. Wow. And, you know, I, I heard that and I said, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, it's not it's not the addiction. It's the problem that leads them to the addiction. Yep. And it, it let me totally it let me totally understand that whole concept in a way <laughs> that I hadn't understood it before. Yep. And I think when we do, it'll soften our edges and soften our yep. responses and keep our tongue in check. That's, you know, and if. Uh, and, and our texting. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't want to ever say that if, if the Lord, if you're clear from the Lord that you have a word of warning for somebody, but you know, even new Testament prophecy says it's for comfort, consolation and exhortation. I have a prophetic word for you. Well, if I, you know, those prophetic warnings are old Testament stuff. Yep. Now, if it makes you feel like I, crap. It ain't from the Lord. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and whereas the new one, when it says prophecies for comfort, consolation and exhortation is, is what you're telling this person that I think there's always a way to encourage somebody, always a way to let you let them know you love them, always yeah. a way to not judge them. We should be looking for ways not to judge people wow. that if we feel something is hampering our love from coming out of us, yep. you know, that I'm, I'm the one that's wrong. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm not feeling the love promptings, if I, and, and no, there's no fake voice for love. You know, when you, you know, whether you're operating in it or not, you know, no. you just feel the peace of it. And um, so, I, you know, and, and I don't mean to trivialize people's issues and uh, there are wrenching things up there and it's hard as a parent, it's hard as a parent not to operate in fear, uh, you know, for the welfare of our kids. You know, part yeah. of it is that, you know, but Job feared, you know, it said day and night he worried about his kids and that that's no way, that's no way to live. You know, because it, it ends up that we're, we're pumping, you know, we're living from the judgment. Fear will always cause us to judge when, when we're operating in fear. I mean, it will always cause us to, to want to judge something and condemn mm -hmm. it and stop it and desperately try to get in the way of it. Um, whereas is, it, is there a possibility that we're addicted to judgment in our culture? And if it's an addiction, some people don't even know they're addicted. It's just a 
reaction to everything. This is a judge, judge, judge. Maybe it's that that needs to be detoxified, right? I could not, brother. That's nailing it right there because that's that's exactly. We were talking a minute ago about the bar. You know, the the guy at the bar because he didn't want to hate. Well, that's better than judging so that you can hate a situation. This is my way of expressing hate. And this is why people will always talk about when they pull out the hate card, they'll talk about uh, righteous hate. Oh, really? (laughs) You know, to justify their own hate a lot of the time. Am I saying there's, you know, what I'm saying is if when, when Paul says love rejoices, not an iniquity, love should never rejoice at things that are clearly, uh, coming from from a spirit of darkness, coming from from a spirit of of self destruction, sure. But shelve it, shelve it, and seek the love, and let's tap into love and see what love, what extraordinary thoughts that love might quicken to our, mm-hmm. what extraordinary actions, what extraordinary ways we can turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, give the extra garment. But we replace those thoughts which come from the spirit of love with a spirit of fear. And the fear will always prompt you to judge. You've got to stop this. You've got to denounce this in the strongest terms and attack this thing. And, you know, I I love Emily Dickinson's thing. Tell the truth, but tell it at a slant. You know, tell it at an angle. Tell it at the angle of love. Don't take it head on, you know, because that just hardens both sides and you end up and you stop hearing love altogether. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I know I'm speaking in, in somewhat general terms. And uh, there's specific situations that people have out there. I, I, I'm only, and I've shared mine. I mean, I, and I've got more than just the drug addiction issue I told you about. I've got other issues going on in my life. But, uh, you know, um, when um, I had somebody contact me two or three years ago that I haven't seen in 20 years, they haven't, you know, we haven't had conversations. They haven't seen me talk to me. They haven't had any influence into my life. And they started sending me a long skating letter about what I was doing was wrong. And they were complete strangers with me. Wow. You know, in a, Sounds in, loving. In, in, in a situation. And, and and my only response back was, you and I don't have a relationship. Where, 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 why are you saying all this to me? You know, we, you don't have place to say all this and to see all this and to know what my heart is or what, why I'm doing what I'm doing or anything else. And, uh, but I understood from the framework that they, they were coming from this religious judgment that we're talking about. And, um, and just felt the need and, and listen. And then I thought back and you know what? I said, probably 10, 11 years ago, I would have done the same thing. You know, I've told many people just the standard speech. Don't do this thing because it's sin. Don't do this thing, you know. And uh, and I realized I had done it. I had my little pat speeches I gave too. And was it well-intentioned? Sure. And is, was this person who wrote me well-intentioned? Yes. All right. But that doesn't mean they're operating out of the spirit of love. And uh, the ones who operated out of the spirit of love will always be your friends, mm. you know, and you won't drive them away. You know, they won't because they're not going to leave you, you know, and um, I, I like, think I think it, people people try to pretend to be the Holy Spirit and do the prompting and correcting. It's like, hang on, you're not the Holy Spirit and you're not even good at it. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and then I, and then on top of it, to pronounce that if you go this way, your life will be a failure. You'll be a failure. You'll be, uh, you know, this is going to destroy your life. That's a curse. You're cursing somebody. Yeah. You know, they that's not the voice navigate. of Jesus at all. Y- yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you navigate it, I mean, I, I've experienced this with Jesus before. I've been periods of my life when I could feel his presence, but he wasn't mm-hmm. saying anything to me. He was sort of uh, empathizing with me. He was sort of just yeah. letting me know he was there sitting on the couch with me. Yeah. You know, which is which is why I never get lonely. You know, I mean, I do get lonely on some levels, but I mean, I don't get that kind of lonely. I don't get spiritually lonely. Yeah. But there are times when I'm more able to hear him than other times. But even when I when I'm not able to hear him, he just he'll sit there and comfort me. You know, he his, he's never removed his shoulder from putting my head on it. You know, being able to put my head on it, which is the the, the most wonderful thing. And he is the love teacher. Jesus is the love teacher, the love guru. You know, he's the love yeah. guru. And um, um, so maybe you know, the I, maybe the question is flawed. The question of how can I love uh, if I'm having a hard time with this? Um, because maybe we have all these definitions that we're wrestling with, or if especially if you're churched, you've got all these Bible verses that 
have told you how to judge when we're not supposed to. And you're trying to fit everything into this little round hole, but you get this big square peg of what you thought the answer was. But we dumb it down, and I don't like the word dumb down, but when, when you break it down to love, it sounds too simplistic. And so people write it off, oh, you just think every, that means everything's okay, every behavior's fine, every single thing is fine, and that, but that's not what we're saying. I, we're saying love is the answer, agape. And if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, that really gives a blunt presentation of what love is. And here's where I think, I think the... The love of God, true love, knowing you're loved, loving God, and experiencing love, that will transform you from the inside out, and your lens will change, your comments and questions will change. So the question isn't, how can I? It's, when will I love? Yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect, Mike. You know, and, and, and love, love, and I think people who would attack this, would say, well, you're just using precepts of how you define love. No, I'm not. No. Love is a person. Yeah. Love is a love is a tone. Love is a posture. Love is a prompting. Love, love is a is 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 a metaphysical sensation. Love, love is an idea. Love love is it is a song. I mean it, it it's all these things. It's not it, and it's pulsating. It's continually pulsating. It's so a posture. when I say spirit of love, I'm not saying, I'm just not saying, well, we got to do this, do this, do that. I'm not, there's no checklist on the thing. That's the you problem. Know? They want the checklist. Yes. Yes. And when we correct somebody, we're giving them our little cultural checklist or yes. our religious denominational checklist. Yep. You know, the chick, like the chick tracks used to yes. you know, talk about, <laughs> you, you know, the, this is why you're going to hell, fella. Yep. <laughs> you know? So, so if you're, if your eyes are on the checklist, they're not on love. Exactly. Yeah. And love is supernatural and love is transformative and love penetrates. Yeah. It's like water that can't be, you know, it'll slide, go through the fingers if you love somebody and to think how much loving somebody, you know, how much loving somebody res, uh, it leaves a residue in them. Mm. You know, it leaves, it, it embeds something in them. And that's, th that is, that is the key to this whole thing. Instead of retaliating and judgment, or hate, or retaliating and hostility, instead of doing those things, we truly do bless our enemy, or bless those who haven't even, or who are even our enemy, but just bless yeah. those we disagree with. I mean, yeah. that's that's lower on the ladder than blessing our enemy, yeah. you know? So well, Bill, Bill Thrasher, time, Bill Thrasher had a really good one on, on uh, loving your enemies, a post a couple of weeks back. Do you remember that one? No, not, no. Okay. I'm, if I before we're done, I think I'm going to read that because holy smokes, it's amazing. It fits <laughs> this completely. We, yeah, this this ought to be the relatively easy part. You yeah, know, easy easier than loving the enemy. I mean, that's the ones when 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 we when we truly love the those who are worst and flagrantly the worst and blatantly the worst and maliciously the worst. The and, and somebody with just whom we don't understand. I think Mike, maybe that's another way to look at it too. Is that we start off from a position of trying to understand the person. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, uh, I was wondering about uh, Annie. My daughter draws, she likes to draw blended pictures of people who, you know, maybe have blended sexuality, you know, maybe yeah. Uh, yeah. trans and, and, and all that. And, um, and I was sitting there and, and I was praying about it, just trying to understand it. Before I judged it, I actually tried yeah. to understand it. And I had this, uh, this prompting that, that, you know, a lot of young people today see unhappy marriages. Yeah. They see they see a division, you know, patriarch, matriarch or whatever, a male female division that to them seems brittle and unloving and uncaring, you know, with tons of divorces, tons of unhappiness, tons of silence, crippling silence going on, emotionlessness, numbness. They see all that and and maybe on some level they're trying to blend. They're saying that, you know, there's something that's not right here. There's not a blending going on. And if they're experimenting with the blending and they want to, you know, tap into that, uh, I'm not, you know, I, again, I'm not judging it. I'm trying to understand it. Yeah. You know, it, it's like what causes the guy to drink or what causes us to do anything. You know, maybe it's a hunger to, to, to truly blend it with, with something else with, you know, for two things to come together. So, 
I mean, but th that's just an example. It can be anything we disapprove mm -hmm. of, anything we have troubles with. Uh, just trying to to have an understanding, an understanding heart about it that lets us that lets us uh, that keeps us from bearing our fangs. You know, when those judgment yeah. fangs come out and the correction fangs come out, you know, and that's because we're trying to, we're trying to control control it, right? We're trying yeah, to control yeah. the narrative. Yes, yes, and and you know, I I was early on. I think I've shared before on there how I was briefly in a cult-like group for about a year and their big thing was on correction and you had to submit to their correction and they're they're your leadership and you have to submit to them as you would submit to god and so you can understand why i didn't stay there very long nor could i <laughs> but, yeah. but but they would always put old testament verses which are full of correction correct you know and if you don't receive correction you're a fool and all this but you know what? They never cited any New Testament verses, hmm. you know, because what becomes legalistic, fearful, angry, wrathful correction in the Old Testament in the new becomes love hmm. to just love and turn the other cheek. Bless. Walk the extra mile and don't judge. <laughs> uh, and, I got I got to share this. I can't wait. I'm going to share this from uh, from Bill. He okay. can't be with us today, but this is going to be great. Let me read it for you. Uh, praying for your enemies doesn't mean you pray that God will make them ultimately come into agreement with your specific way of thinking sometime ahead. It's actually the exact opposite. We pray for our enemies to be blessed without any threat of condemnation or cohesion attached. We pray for God's grace to help us better see from their seemingly broken perspectives no matter how opposing it is from yours. We pray for this in the here and now. We do this so we might speak of them and to them with overflowing compassion and total forgiveness, desiring to know why they are the way they are, loving them with zero expectation of changing to meet us first. And lastly, we pray for our enemies with a deep authenticity and a relentless hope for unity and joy to be known and experienced by all in the fullness of time. Amen. Amen. Wow. I'm like, sorry. I missed that. That was awesome. Oh my, well, he had it written. I created the meme for it because it's hard to share the written because not everybody reads it, but if it's a meme, people will read the whole thing. That's why that you didn't see it. Send that to me. If you would, I'd like to have a copy of that. Yeah. It's posted on my Facebook page, but I'll send it to you in the messenger. But this, yeah, this is the kind of love we're talking about. This is this is the foundation of love. So, it is, and, and it is, and it's almost like the Old Testament. You know, we've talked about this before about what are we to. You know, the Old Testament was not without fault, or uh, Hebrew says there yeah. was something wrong with the Old Testament. The flaw of the law. Was, <laughs> yeah, what it is is it uses the law to condemn, crush, and, yeah. and uh, condemn and crush. And, um, and it's from a human perspective. It's almost like the human perspective. And I just put a post today about Moses, what the problem with Moses was. And he, he projected his own anger onto God. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, God wanted him to speak to the stone. But instead of speaking to it so that the people would know God loves them and has provided a miracle, he struck the stone and then condemned the people. So now they think God is condemning toward them. Yeah. So the miracle is done, but it's one done out of fear. Misrepresenting you know? and, 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 the Father, yep. It's misrepresent and 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 it says that that was the sin that kept Moses out of entering the promised land. He didn't sanctify the name, which means nature in the Hebrew. Yeah. He didn't sanctify the nature of the Lord. So see, when we don't get into the judgment, we're doing the same thing. We're striking wow. a rock. If I'm here trying to correct somebody, I'm striking <sighs> this rock. How often must God and I correct you? You know. Uh, yep. You're muted now. Sorry. Uh, oop, there you go. Sorry, I got a call there. <laughs> I figured. Um, see, oh, can you hear me? Yep. We're good. Okay. I'm having trouble hearing you. I don't know. Okay. I can hear you fine. Okay. All right. But anyhow, just this, the strike in the rock, we use that, uh, you know, a, a, as, as a way of trying to condemn people and, and show and, and showing our impatience. Cause really when you're judging somebody and you're, you're barking at them, we're impatient, you know, and we are being impatient and we are striking the rock rather than speaking to the rock. So, and it makes me wonder if we, like you were describing a minute ago, if we truly are ministering love to people, then if they ever do want to come to us for counsel, they'll know we're a soft answer. Bingo. You know, and they'll be more likely to ask us things. And um, I wish and more leaders would hear that. It, it's almost yeah. like if we relinquish the need 
the demand for them to hear us, they'll then start listening to us. Love is attractive and that's it. So, and the fun part is love is initiated by the Holy spirit. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, um, something we conjure up and have to, you know, measure up to. So we forget that we forget that the core of our identity is actually the same as the core of the identity of the person we're having a hard time with. Amen. So, Amen. Oh man. Oh man. I, I want to find one more picture. I had a, I, I, okay. I gotta go. I'll, I'll read it to you, but I'm not going to, um, um, Post it. Let me just find it. It's just one. It's a quote on the Holy Spirit that I thought was really funny and real. Um, I shared it at my church two weeks ago, so it's in my meme. Here it is. You ready? This is great. Yes. Um, the Holy Spirit doesn't just make you dance and speak in tongues. He also makes you shut up, apolo- <laughs> apologize, and examine yourself. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it's funny. That's awesome. You know, and, and I, I was just telling a very good friend of mine yesterday that um, I've apologized over some past relationship failures. Yeah. And something in me wanted a joint apology back, but something love spoke to me. No, this is not, this is about you. It's not about yeah. them. Yes. So uh, I was able to apologize and not need an apology back. Yep. Love did that work in me yeah. rather than, well, I apologize if you apologize. I'll meet you halfway to apologize. Yep. That, that's not an apology. You know, that's another one of these coercion judgment things. Yep. You know, but but I can't tell you how liberated I've been in the in these two situations where I apologize without any expectation, nor did I receive any from the other side, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. Yep. I mean, that's the, you know, it's not a, this life isn't about getting apologized to. It's about us checking our own eye yep. with stuff. And I saw things that I had done horribly wrong, and uh, I need to own those and apologize. That was the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit. I I would I would not object if somebody wanted to call the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit of love. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that's that way perfect. that keeps us from, you yeah. know, getting off track with it. Yeah. Well, speaking of on track, uh, my time is up. So we got to wrap this up. Anything else <laughs> you want to kind of uh, encourage the person struggling with this? Um, thinking just love is the answer is too simplistic, but also they really love somebody, but are having a hard time with the, the distraction. What's the last thing you'd say to them? You might have to just repeat something you'd shared, but what would you say? Well, uh, I would say to just spend some, uh, to try to shelf whatever it is that's troubling you. Just mm-hmm. look, imagine, you know, sometimes these meditation techniques work where you imagine this issue that's causing, that's robbing your peace, that's disturbing your peace. You just put it up on the shelf and instead consult love, consult the spirit of love, understanding that love is a person that, and that it indwells you, you know, that that's the magnificent promise of the new Testament is that we become partakers of the divine nature. And it's not just what would Jesus do? It's what is Jesus doing now? How does Jesus now look at this? Don't give me an old Testament example mm-hmm. of that. Let's, let's hear the spirit now about how God dealt with. There's plenty of examples of how he dealt with a woman caught in adultery and, and people, you know, that were in horrible sin, how he dealt with them. And it was always compassionately and with, and with love and kindness and unexpected kindness. Or silence. Sometimes it was just silent. He didn't even yeah. talk much about stuff. You know, he did. He he was very economical with words. You know, but just just um, consult love. Shelf what you, sh- anything that doesn't come from a spirit of peace that doesn't bring you peace. Shelf it, hmm. and then just make sure your core is coming. That your connection is coming from a place of peace within you. And patience, peace, and patience go together. That someone, if someone's about to go into a, a relationship or a lifestyle or whatever that you don't approve of, this isn't, we, we act like this is the only time right here and now for me to, you know, that I can, you know, for you not to do that. It's not. Hang in there with them. Show the person you love them and 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 don't associate the activity you don't understand. You don't need to understand it. Mm. Man, that'll deliver you right there. You don't have to understand it, but you respect someone's creaturely freedom. You respect their need to explore and to the extent that you can, you know, and, and that they know that you love them and that you show them kindness and um, and, and they'll, they'll know that you're not judging them. I, I, I People know when we're judging, they can tell the way we look yep. at it or the way we kind of turn our head or whatever. Yep. And just uh, we don't you know, it's not necessary to have all the answers, you know, and, and, and just to, and then when we find that peace and that patience from love, 
then just spend some time with them. Spend some time with them, listen to them with no agenda. That's yep. the other thing. Oh Don't have a goodness. secret agenda to where, <laughs> okay, now I've been loving. Now I can let them have it. Yep, yep. Be willing to never mention it, yep. you know, and just be be willing before anything else to commit yourselves to Matthew 5, 38 through 48, to just find a place of blessing and encouragement to them. If they go straight through the valley, that whatever valley they go through, they come out of it a transformed person. They're not alone on the journey, but we yes. think they might be. Yes, it's all or done. And that's what makes us believe in hell. When you think about it, you make yeah. one mistake, you're out of there. Yeah. You know, which is what Tertullian taught that, yeah. you know, you can repent over one serious sin, but after that, you're going to hell, no yeah. matter if you're a believer or not. That's just, oh, I know. I think there's one I can hear people say, yeah, uh, there's one next, but they would say, yeah, but the Bible says this about this and this as well. So they, they have all these clobber verses uh, for the issue that's at hand. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, maybe there's another perspective. And if you're not even willing to go find more helpful or hope-filled perspectives on that topic, except the one you think you believe fully right now, there may be better answers out there. Like you were talking about your child being gay. Um, I found one of the best resources on that topic, because a lot of Christians have a hard time with that one, right? Because the Bible plainly says this or that. Well, it doesn't, for one. And number two, there's a um, website to go visit the Reformation Project. Org. Uh, Matthew Vines has tremendous, helpful, compassionate resources on that kind of stuff. So now pick your topic. Which one? Go find and find a better answer, better way to understand. If you need to understand, which you said you don't, if you actually surrender the need to understand, that could blow your mind. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and you know, when somebody pulls out the, the combat verses, like you said, yeah, uh, the, um, you know, Jesus summarized all the law, whatever the law is or isn't, it's many things, depending on how you look at it. But what Jesus said, it's all summarized in this thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. All right. So well, however you think you understand the law, if it's not one of those things, that's how Jesus summarized. It all hangs on that. And you don't understand the law until you understand those two commandments. So love Jesus as yourself. Say it slower. Love Jesus as yourself. Yes. So love others as yourself, as if they are yourself. Yes. Right? Yes. Like yes. it just got yes. deeper. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Ah, okay, we got to stop. <laughs> Man, well, thanks, Richard, and thanks, everyone. I hope this was a very interesting topic. We might follow this up again. Who knows? We didn't follow up the last time, but who knows? This is how we roll, and I hope you're encouraged by the fun banter and the depth that this goes. See you all next time. Amen. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, that was fun. I Oh, man, that was probably one of my favorite conversations we've had, especially as I'm listening and engaging in this and seeing the comments. And, uh, Nisa, I see you engaging and having all these comments. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on here that um, I, I hope you heard it. I hope you heard how the surrender of your opinions, your judgments, the surrender of your... Um, need to correct the need to control it comes back to the love of God it sounds so counterintuitive but take it deeper and you realize wait a minute um, the love of God in me will make me a more loving person and you can't even confront some of those topics you think are wrong or have problems with until Love controls you first. Otherwise, there's an ulterior motive. There's uh, um, manipulation. It's just a bottom answer. I love it. Uh, let's see who else chimed in here. Um, one person said here, love doesn't teach to be gay. I didn't like that line. Uh, sorry, crazy 10 bears. Um, love teaches you to love. So to me, that comment is you're making a judgment right away in the negative way. And that's not love, so, in my in my opinion. My opinion, um, Anissa. Yes, uh, digging in, uh, studying hard, loving this. Uh, there's no room for judgment. Um, who else commented? Terry. Yep, my friend Terry. I love what he wrote. Love is the only key that will unlock the doors of forgiveness and acceptance. If we have, if we've been wronged or a loved one made a mistake causing significant consequence. That's right. Love is the only key. And I think 
again, I've, the definition of love, what is love? And that's why you keep hearing me use the word agape, which is the Greek word for other-centered love, which is the definition of who God is, God's essence. Because in the Greek, they had seven different words for the word love, seven. And agape was only one of them. Uh, so, oh my goodness, and that one's not used very much. Um, yeah, and then we have uh, Scotty. Hey, Scotty. Yeah, he says, this is so amazing. Exactly what's happened to me in so many ways by so many people, including my kids. Yeah, I believe you. Um, I love this from uh, Anissa. She writes, oh my God, uh, or OMG is what she wrote. Haha. <laughs> uh, I can relate. Own up to it and apologize, but without wanting an apology in return is where we really learn and grow. I was robbed of peace due to resentment in my heart. Yes. I agree. I, we haven't got time to share stories. I got a doozy of a story that same thing happened to me. I, I, dealing with resentment, even though I said I forgave and I did, I didn't realize something was still caught in my heart because I wanted to know. want to know why. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty wild. And Kathy writes, it helps me understand they're addicted to judging. Yes, and we talked about that on Sunday. Uh, you should go back and listen to not not you, uh, Kathy, but others. If you haven't heard um, the kind of the sermon I sh- shared on Sunday, I'm dealing with this in a big way. And so this follow up with the conversation with Richard, <laughs> that was just bonus. That's just icing. Oh my goodness. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Share this with others. I'm gonna probably personally rewatch this because there's some stuff in here that oh my goodness, I want to hear that again. Um, so anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will catch you next week. I think we're going to have a special guest, uh, a Canadian, and uh, I'll tell you about her next week. Until then, have a great week. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.